Hi everybody, Mike Hancock here, the Chairman of the Circle of Excellence Group of Companies. And today we're going to talk about the future of entrepreneurship. Just before we get started, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting topic and we're recording this uh, towards the, the end of the year. So um, I'd have to say that, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be fascinating to look back and see what happens in in the future because times are changing very, very fast. And uh, all of us are on for a bit of a ride over the next few years. So we are going to jump straight into this. We've got quite a bit to cover. Feel free to be as interactive as what you, what you wish with it. And uh, let's jump into it. Okay, here we go. I want to start with some data. Uh, as you can see there, you know, with the freelance employees, uh, basically 37% of their working day, they're being productive. That's not bad compared to employees who are actively engaged, 21% uh, more productive than freelancers. So look at that. That's pretty weird, isn't it? Only 7% of workers say they feel productive at the workplace. So 93% of people are not feeling productive. And these statistics are September this year. So, you know, they're a month old. Approximately 24 billion hours are wasted as a result of fruitless meetings. How many meetings do you guys have a year that you think are pretty much a waste of time? Does anybody have a comment they'd like to throw into the chat as, we, as we're moving forward on this? On average, employees are 13% more productive when working remotely. And overall, employee productivity in the US, and of course, we know the US is not the whole world, has grown by 5% since the pandemic began. That's a very, very interesting thing. Philippe says he takes very few meetings. <laughs> Probably very wisely, I find my average Monday to Thursday is between six and eight meetings. So I probably should be listening to this from my own point of view. Next one, after a distraction, I love this one. After a distraction, concentrating on the task usually takes 23 minutes and 15 seconds. Now, this is app-based software that's giving you this data, over 100 million people using the software, but that's fascinating. So if you get distracted, it takes you a long time to get back on task. The average worker is productive for two hours and 53 minutes a day on this software. I have other data from other software that is an hour and 14 minutes a day. So let's look at maybe what the definition of productive is. I definitely don't think that the average person's productive two hours and 53 minutes a day. I think it's a lot less. That only accounts for 31% of the average eight hour workday and around 41% of employees claim that stress makes them less productive. So we are heading into a world and we are in a world where distraction, lack of productivity, whether we work at home, at work, how many meetings we take and all of that sort of stuff's what we're juggling with. It's no longer um, the system that we work in. It's no longer software. It's no longer our mindset even. It's all this stuff. It's distractions, doubts we have, um, things that we that take, shine, other bright, shiny objects that take our time. Um, Natasha says, I balance time for myself and scheduling meetings to grow connections. Fantastic. 
Um, uh, this is a cure for distraction, deep work. And Philippe's put an, uh, a book in there, uh, Deep Work Focus Success. Thanks, Philippe. I I'd always love it when you come up with some good things there. That's wonderful. So this is the background of where we're sitting today. So I want to ask you the question, what do you guys think are the skills you need to have in order to survive and thrive in the next five years. And yes, Stephanie, the, the key word there is fruitful meetings. In other words, meetings that have some outcome to them and it's particularly outcomes that can benefit you. So let's go to, let's go to the chat and let's uh, just type some things in. What do you think are some of the skills that you may need for the next five years? We've got empathy, creativity, listening would be your top three, Philippe. That's fantastic. That's great. Well, let's see if you're a lone duck here or if anybody else joins you as well. So top five skills for the next, or top skills for the next five years. Let's see if anybody else has an opinion before we move on. Networking, says Stephanie. Okay, very interesting. That's great. I'll just wait for one second for anybody else. Coding, says Natasha. That's awesome as well. Communication from Chris. Okay, so we've got some things coming in. Well done, folks. Well, let's have a look at them. Leadership, resilience, critical thinking, selling skills, speaking, and understanding technology. So those are the things. And you can put creativity, I think, into critical thinking as well. It definitely sits there. So we're going to break these down and we're going to have a, a look at these. Um, flexibility, yep, uh, that will come into to resilience. There's no doubt about that. Let's jump into these. So let's have a look at leadership. Leadership needs to become more conscious. And that's not only at corporate CEO level, that's at entrepreneur level, that's at you and your community, that's, uh, you know, me at my cricket club or whatever it is that I'm doing, our leadership needs to become more conscious. We need to develop more of a collaborative mindset with our environment, with our competitors, with the marketplace. We've, most of us have grown up with a competitive mindset and that's not necessarily serving us anymore as we move into um, the second 20% of the 21st century. Purposeful vision, a vision with purpose a vision that has a win-win-win, a win for you, the business, a win for your customer, and a win for the greater good. That's what I would call a purposeful, purposeful vision. Leadership that focuses on legacy. You know, I often say to groups that um, all entrepreneurs leave a footprint on this, this planet, but most entrepreneurs their footprint is not that tidy. In fact, most entrepreneurs leave a footprint that's a lot worse than when they came. So consciousness in leadership is about having legacy focus. It's about understanding that you're the custodian of an industry, of a, a product, of a, a community. Making a difference. Do your products and services make a difference for people? Are they adding to the greater good or are they distracting from the greater good? And lastly, values-based decision-making. 
I was giving a keynote talk last week and um, I was talking about the fact of that most companies, people really don't understand the values. In fact, you know, if you ask anybody in a company, the average person in the company, what the company values are, they'll say, hang on a sec, I'll pull it out of the file and tell you. Trust me, I've experienced that because I've asked that numerous times. And that's, that's the answer. Whereas you have to live the values. And when you're living the values, then you're making values-based decisions, whatever those values are. But if you don't understand values, you can't do it. So one of the top skills of the next five years for entrepreneurs is developing more consciousness in our leadership. Collaborative mindset, purposeful vision, legacy, making a difference and values-based decision-making. Let's move to another skill that you're going to need in the next five years. Resilience. Let's call it survival of the fittest because that's what's happening in a lot of marketplaces. You know, um, New Zealand's in a tough place. It's, it's really in a tough place at the moment. And don't get me started about, uh, about you know, one of my favourite countries in the world. Where, where Lundy and I lived in New Zealand, there were 46 restaurants within 500 metres of our house. Today, there are 13. So... 33 out of the 46 or about 75%, if you like, or 70% have not survived the last few years of COVID and all the associated BS that went with it. So how do we make sure that we survive the next five years? Firstly, you have to be constantly pivoting. If you you know, just going to stick to your guns and this is the way it is and we're going to do this because we've always done it this way, it's probably not going to work out that well for you. You have to be flexible. And that came up in somebody's comment before. I think it was Natasha's comment. You have to be flexible. You have to be non-attached to ideas. So ideas that have worked well for you may no longer work well for you. So, for instance, you know, for the last five years, we've had a joyous and wonderful run of LinkedIn as our number one marketing tool. I'm 100% sure that's not going to be our number one marketing tool in a couple of years' time. So I cannot be attached to the fact that LinkedIn's so good and it works. I have to constantly be exploring what else can work. If you're not sleeping well, if you're not eating well, and if you're not getting your regular daily exercise, you are not going to be resilient. And time has sped up. The world is a lot more stressful for us now than it was for our parents, and it's going to become more stressful in the future. There's going to be more demands on your time, more times you have to move, more things that don't work to get something right. This is going to be the case, not only for us as entrepreneurs, but for all businesses as well. So you have to make sure that you look after your core bodily well-being. You're going to need great mentors and great coaches. This is not a plug for Mike and Landy. This is a plug for surrounding yourself with great people. And making sure that those people are really, you know, at the top of their game, that they can really add value to you. And in that, you're going to need to develop your ring of steel. 
What's your ring of steel? If you haven't heard that terminology before, it's your network of supporters, advocates, advisors, mentors, team, um, extended friends, champions, finance people, legal people, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to need to really have that ring of steel to help protect you and put your boundaries up over the next five to 10 years because things are shifting forward at a massive rate. We need to become more resilient. We can't just throw our heads in our hands and go, oh, what are we going to do? There's been a pandemic. All my savings are gone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've all experienced that. Savings of the middle class across the world has been wiped out in the last couple of years. Whether that's been planned or just a result of the situation, not up for us to say on this call. However, our relationship with that is we have to become more resilient. Let's have a look at the next one. Critical thinking, the power of problem solving. Now, I love creativity, and I think that should be in here as well. So let's make sure we've got that one in here if you're taking notes or screenshots. Data is good. The more robust data you can have in order for you to be able to make high-quality decisions and be able to think through products and services and the ways in which you're going to deliver them and who should be a client and who shouldn't be a client and what should they pay and all of those things comes down to data. And the more data you can have and the more robust that data is, the better. But from that data, you start to need to create scenario plans. So if this happened, we could go left. If this happened, we could go straight ahead. If this happened, we could go right. If we got it really right, this could be the result. If we didn't get it right at all, this could be the result. How do you plan for those? You need to not just be sort of motoring ahead anymore, hoping that these things are going to happen. You need to be planning your income, planning your workday. You need to look at scenario plans. And again, that might come back to who's on your team. You need unbiased sources of advice and data. Let's give you the two most unbiased sources on the planet at the moment, CNN, let's just call it the Democratic Party, Fox News, let's just call it the Republican Party, okay? So, you know, if your information is coming from a major media outlet, and there's plenty of others, but I'm just using those because they're so blatantly obvious, um, then you are only getting biased source. So if you're taking your political advice from a mainstream media, you're getting biased source. If you're taking your data from um, a company that wants to sell you certain things, then you're getting a biased source. So your critical thinking and the power of your problem solving, the ability for you to see the future here is going to be based somewhat on trying to get as unbiased sources of information as what you can. And then, of course, and in this order, your critical thinking definitely should involve your gut, your intuition, but also your head, okay? Um, we make all of our decisions based on gut feeling, on intuition. But it's not that we don't, after making the decision, run some numbers on it, run some thoughts about the ABC, how it should work, et cetera, through our head. We don't just blatantly go out there and just pour out the answer or just 
you know, change our bit business because Mike had some great idea or something like that that just dropped in. Um, once we've done that, we research, we create scenario plans, we try and get as unbiased information as problem as possible, and then actually make a decision. Are we going to do this or not? And when you think about that, think about um, the six questions you ask when you're looking at opportunities. Does it fit my passion and purpose? Can I add value in my natural way? Can I leverage this? If it fails, will it sink me? Does it motivate me? And is there a return that inspires me out of all of this? If you can tick all the boxes in that for something new that you're looking at, then it's probably going to work. Selling skills, or if you like, we call the money train, but I'm not going to go into the money train here. If you can't sell and you're an entrepreneur over the next five years, your business is going to diminish. No more can you rely on social selling the markets to clog. No more can you rely on the phone ringing because there's too many people. Um, you have to have some actual sales skills. Trust is the king. You have to be able to develop trust with people very quickly. So that is the second stage of the money train, but I wanted to put that right there and then on the table for you. In addition, you have to have some sales armor. What sales armor? A presentation, an information video, um, a series of questions that you ask, a fact-finding thing, um, something that you can leave with the client, like a brochure. They would be basic sales armor that you should have. You need to know your data. Again, comes back to data. What's your data? Um, I was just adding mine up this morning because I'm coming to the last two to three weeks of my year at the moment. So I'm looking at my data for the year and analyzing it and saying, am I doing more sales than last year? Am I doing better quality sales? What's my data? And my data this year is a little less than what it's been the last couple of years. So even I'm noticing that I have to do more to get the same at the moment, okay? And of course then, who is your avatar? Who is your avatar? So who's standing out? Who's your Johann Schmidt? You know, who's the exact person that you want as your client? Don't waste your time with anybody else by the exact people that you want as your clients. And then do you have natural upsells and natural downsells that people can buy if they can't afford what you're selling or if they want more of you? So selling skills are some of the top skills you're going to need over the next five years. Speaking, it's just so prominent now. And these are the reasons. Because you can do one to many, just like the guy in the photo here that I'm using on my screen, you know, he can try and convince one person over a coffee of what he's doing, or he can talk to 30 or 40 people um, in this type of room and, and understand what he's doing there. Stages create rock stars. You know, you wouldn't say that this guy is on a stage, but because he's speaking and everybody's listening, he's creating a certain, we call it mana in New Zealand, spiritual power. That's what it is. He creates certain spiritual power. People are attracted to him because he's standing up and they're all sitting down. The bigger the stage, the more you're a rock star. That's the way it works. It gets you right to your audience. So 
if you can speak, you are going to get right to your audience and you're going to be able to speak directly to them. And remember that people don't necessarily buy straight away. We have a wonderful Circle of Excellence member, some of you know him, Corbus Visser, um, that came on board with us earlier this year. He told us he's been following Mike and Landy since 2015. You know, we, I met him back in 2015. He came to another event in 2017. I haven't seen him in five years and he's been following us. So if you're creating stages and people are coming, you never know what they're thinking. And, you know, if, unless you're planning to retire tomorrow, then you're going to need clients in two years, three years, four years, five years. So the, this is one way to create lasting impressions. I still have people saying to me, I saw you speak at the TIME conference. TIME, I think, stood for Team Inspiration, Motivation and Empowerment or something like that. There was a conference in Auckland in 2011 and people still remember my talk to today. I still have people saying they saw me there. I don't know what I did that day that was so good, but I must have got it right. Um, I remember it was a good audience. I remember there's a couple of hundred people there, maybe 300, maybe even 400. But if you're doing speaking to your audience, you're transforming lives and creating relationships for the future. Of course, it always helps you position as well. So your positioning goes up. You can talk about who you are, what you've done, your hero's journey, all of that sort of thing. And then, of course, if you've writing or have written the book on your subject matter, that just is going to endear so many people to you as an expert, and they're going to want to buy your books, even people who are close to you. I mean, on the weekend, I think we had, uh, you know, an average of a dozen to 15 people that joined us for a couple of days. Um, you know, we had five of Lundy's books and three Entrepreneur X Factor books there. We sold a lot. So, you know, and they're to people who know us well. So, I mean, it just having those things and around so that people can get more of you just makes sense. The next skill you're going to need for the, the next few years is an understanding of technology to stay on top of your game. I'm not saying you have to learn coding, right? Um, although I think for people who can code, getting a refresher course is really going to help you. But you do need to understand cloud-based solutions. We're going to talk a little bit more about those um, on this call today. You're going to need to uh, understand integrations between different pieces of software, whether you're using Zapier or whether you're using something else that connects your database to your CRM, to your email system, to your you know, landing page, to your goodness knows whatever. You're going to need to understand those. I'm not talking about the technicality of how they work. You can always pay something to make them work, but you're going to need to understand that so you can even ask people to help you and be able to explain it. You're going to need to understand your technology so that you can save dollars on previous software. Um, you know, 2021, April, Landy and I decided that we were going to buy a car. We hadn't owned a car in five years. We'd never needed one. We we're on the road too much, but we decided we'd buy a car. We said, okay, we need to pay for this car. So we looked at all of our software expenses and we looked at all of the new alternatives. And 
we changed a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of the software we changed to new platforms. That allowed us to save enough money in order to pay for a car. We got a free car. So you, by understanding technology, you can save money. One bit of software alone saved us nearly $800 a month because we were able to buy a new one that came out and actually buy it for life as a beta tester. So we saved $800 a month in one piece of software. Um, we moved our mail database from MailChimp to Email Octopus and saved another nearly $300 a month on that. So there's say $1,000 a month just in two moves. Plus there are a lot of little ones where we're saving a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there, that type of thing. Next one, you need to understand your efficiency and your effectiveness. So having things that give you that sort of efficiency and effectiveness um, that is software-based, project management systems, Trello, Slack, um, timing things, Calendly, rescue time, things that can help you really understand how to stay on top of your game. And technology solutions that can give you trackable results. You know, I think if Zoom can bring out something that where people can enter what the meeting's about and what the result of the meeting was, um, that is just going to give so much more trackable results on, on our online meetings. For instance, you know, you would have this one down as training. I would have this one down as webinar, right? Later on today, um, I'm pitching somebody, so I'll have that down as a sales call. Later on today, you might be talking to your mum, so you'll have that as personal time. The more we can track this sort of stuff using technology, the better insights into what's making our business run um, will come to us. Before I go into the next part of what I want to share with you, I'm interested if you guys um, can come up with yourselves and pop into the chat or if anybody wants to talk, please feel free to. Um, if you feel there's any other really big skills that you're going to require in your business over the next five years, feel free to share. So what other really big skills are you going to require in your business in the next five years between now and sort of heading into the last couple of years of this decade? So I'll take that as a no and I'm thinking it over. So uh, here comes one. Oh, there's a nice skill for us. Um, let's see, I'll just... Uh, Stephanie's got transference. I love that. Transference is the skill whereby surrounding yourself with people that are more prominent than you, um, own a marketplace better than you, you will already elevate yourself to their level just by the fact of you hanging out with them. Um, listening can be one. Oh, you know, Philippe, I wish pe people listen more. So I really do wish people listening more. It is a true skill and it's so easy. Um, we have two ears, one mouth. We use them in that relationship. And, you know, we have Chris on the call and, uh, you know, we've worked with Chris now for just a little while, but one of your skills, Chris, is you are a great listener. And I think it's going to set you up so much in life because so many people butt in in the middle of things. 
And that's one of the things that I always have to watch because I'm, I'm such a quick thinker. I've always got an answer before people have stopped talking. So that's not necessarily a good thing. So listening, I love that. Okay, let's move on. So now I want to talk to you about uh, essentially about technology. Here we go. Just reshare the slide screen. Technology, the cloud, marketing, and security. Also things that we're going to have to need to understand as entrepreneurs over the next few years. So the big one with technology is shall I invest or not? And it's become more prevalent over recent years. And when I say recent years, particularly the last two or three, that I'm getting the average entrepreneur looking at investing heavily in proprietary software meaning they're going to literally hire somebody to, um, to go and design them some proprietary software for their business, whether it be how to manage this, how to manage something else, et cetera, et cetera. Should you invest in proprietary software or not? Hmm, it's a great call and it's a great question. We're going to deal with it. We'll talk about it. Let's look at these other ones. Should you invest in off-the-shelf software, something that you can buy instead of building your own CRM system? Can you use Infusionsoft or Salesforce or something else that's there? What's better for you? Oh, but if you want to sell your business, having your own proprietary software could be really great. Yes, maybe. Um, does it really matter? Probably a little bit, but hey, what about the risk versus the return? This is the big question on technology. The big question is about risk. So if you design your own proprietary software, number one, you have to pay for it. Number two, will it be delivered on time? Number three, will it work exactly as you believe it can work? Number four, can you actually brief a technology company to build this? Number five is, will they take the code and redevelop it themselves and then sell it on the open market? Uh, number six is, if you're marketing it to your clients, will one of them copy it and do it better than you have done because they don't have all the stigma around it that you've now got to deal with because you developed it? Big questions. And I have to tell you that I've seen more entrepreneurs fail and lose money on proprietary software then I have seen them make money on proprietary software. And I'm not trying to turn you off it. If you're a tech company, this is probably what you do. But if you're a coach or a designer or um, doing something else, running a series of businesses or something like that, you may or may not need it. And then what's the shelf life of it? Um, believe it or not, I was in partnership in a tech company a long time ago, 30 years ago. And we'd spent six months developing a piece of software. And myself and my business partner were up till one, two in the morning, three nights a week working on all the frames and everything like that, getting it programmed, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and by the time we had it ready to market to a financial services company, other people had come and beat us. And their stuff was as good as ours. And guess what? Waste of time, waste of money. Next thing, I developed another tech company in 2010. 
We only took three months to come to marketplace. By the time we came to marketplace, we went from two competitors to 46 competitors in the same time. So be very careful about investing in proprietary software. Do your homework. There are lots of things off the shelf that you can do. You, if it's a new company, you may even be able to invest in that company instead of paying them to develop something for you, get a few shares, and if they make it big, you've got a return. So there's different ways to cut this. The cloud. The cloud is there for you to leverage, and it is a fantastic tool with one exception. So how does the cloud help you? Well, the first thing is it enables you to live a pretty much global lifestyle, meaning that unless you've got a factory with employees, you can pretty much run your business from anywhere in the world. You can pretty much run it on your phone for many of you, which makes things really, really incredible. We can literally run our businesses off our phones. Um, I don't like to, I like to run it off my laptop, but I have a MacBook Air, it weighs 900 grams. It's not a biggie, right? When you're in the cloud and you're utilizing things that are cloud-based, you're getting more global. So that's going to make you more able to charge in US dollars or GBP or Euro or something else. Let's go back. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to you. So true, 100% remote, a million possibilities. Absolutely. The one thing that the cloud is going to be able to do is it's going to allow you to assess your patterns. For instance, I have a lot of cloud-based software that I rarely use, but it is very important to our business. I'll give you one of them. Zero, our accounting program. Our financial controller uses it, our um, financial administrator uses this. We have two people, um, like our financial director, he uses it like once a quarter and our fine, other financial administrator uses it every day of the week. So, but I probably use it once a month and it's on my phone, it's just when I'm checking something up. So it allows me to understand my patterns. It allows me to understand that I don't need to monitor the finances of my business on a daily basis. Some of you do if you don't have the right people in place. Um, cloud allows you to use patterns. Cloud allows you to be low cost. You know, you don't have to develop software. You don't have to have a team of people that does something. You can pretty much, you know, through using integrations on the cloud, you know, have people come into your database, let them get your free ebook, let them get five emails that tells them to go somewhere else, that sends them to a webinar that's pre-recorded, that allows them to buy a product from you that's maybe $1,000, that then sends them all the integrations, allows them to open the product and utilize the product, et cetera, et cetera. You don't even need to interact with a lot of that stuff. So you can do all of that for low cost. And of course, the beautiful thing about this is it is changeable. So when you're looking at cloud-based software, you can change it. So for instance, just before I mentioned how much money we save by changing software, our biggest one was our funnel system. That was the one in which we saved a lot of money, as I mentioned, you know, around seven to $800 a month that we saved on that uh, by shifting to another provider. We had to deconstruct 77 funnels. We only chose to rebuild about 15 initially. Now I think it's up to about 22 
on the new system. That was a lot of work, but it didn't take longer than a week and we could change it. And, you know, it probably didn't take me longer than maybe a day and a half of stuff that I had to do on it. So it could be changed. So the beautiful thing about the cloud for the next few years, it's going to grow, it's going to develop, there's going to be more solutions. It's going to be easier to do business. It's going to be easier to do business across borders. It's going to be easier to make sales, service customers and everything like that. Um, if you've looked at a cloud-based solution for your business 12 months ago and you couldn't find the right thing, look again. There's new providers coming on board all of the time. I know this when we looked at um, our learning management systems. Landy looked at basically every company that was available back in 2017, 2018. Then we chose one. Then we, we looked at it again for the next three years. And then we decided to hang in. And only now today can we get an option that's like 20% of the price. We know that we can get the option. We haven't moved to that option because it doesn't have one thing that I want it to do. And if it did, we'd move immediately. But new options come up all of the time. Um, for you, if, you've, if we've recommended a certain learning management system, chances are you don't need the functionality that we need on it. So you may now be able to go to something entirely new at like literally 20% of the price. So you can change. Security, that's a big thing at the moment. Your risk is a big thing. Cyber crime is huge. Identity theft is huge. I have two of my friends that I know who have had their identity stolen. One has made, had a television show made about it um, on the news in the UK. The other one is actually also um, UK, living in the UK, uh, but uh, their identity was stolen in America. So it's a big thing now. Fake profiles on Facebook. You've seen that probably happen to some of you even on the call. Fake profiles on Instagram. The whole cancel culture. People deciding they're going to destroy your reputation, destroy your career. It's easy to go to Craigslist and, and complain about somebody. It's easy to just put a complaint up and SEO it about somebody. Um, so, you know, this is, you have to manage this risk as best as you can. Then you have data protection as well. Your own data, your passwords, all of that sort of thing. Are you giving your passwords out to VAs? Yeah, if so, are you changing them when they come back? You know, um, we recently had to change some of our passwords because, you know, people that had them don't need to have them anymore. Then there's what are your liabilities online? You know, what are your terms and conditions on your website? Do you have those? What are your liabilities? What happens if, if somebody interacts with a product of yours, takes advice from that product? And, you know, what's your liabilities around that? And then, of course, there's the Poppy Act as well. And, you know, are you complying with that? Um, are you compliant online? Uh, have you got good governance online? All of those sort of questions come up. I know it's freaking boring as hell. I know it is. But, you know, get somebody to do an assessment for you and tell you where you're, where you may be, you know, in trouble. And then from there, basically, if you've got some trouble, if you've got some red lights, look to fix them over the next little while. That makes sense. Marketing. We want to talk about marketing. You know, here are some, and Natasha brought it up just before. Here are some of the new trends in marketing. Direct mail is back. 
That means you getting something in the mail with the postage stamp on it. That is back. Around about 3% of marketing and shifting upwards now is moving from digital to direct mail marketing. Samples are huge. You know, samples have always been big in things like makeup and, you know, perfumes and everything like that. But samples in other things are huge. You know, think back to the old time when an architect was coming in to pitch building a new shopping center. What did they bring? They brought a hard model sample of what the thing looked like. That stuff is coming back. The personal approach. Not blanket marketing, but one-to-one marketing is really working well now. You know, we've been doing it for, this has been our sixth year of literally one-to-one marketing. And it's, it's working. It's not working as well as what it was in our first and second year, I have to tell you. But it still works a hell of a lot better than, um, than blanket marketing. Referrals are still the best. So if you don't have a referral system so that you can develop referrals over time, then you're missing a huge part of your marketing. Mass park marketing does equal mass money, so but it's, it's a big investment. You know, a lot of people think, oh, they're going to learn about internet marketing. They're going to go out there and they're going to you know, grow their business by internet marketing and mass marketing. It takes a lot to build a thousand people on your list these days. It takes a lot to keep them there. Um, I know one of our clients who runs an internet marketing business will say he assumes he's going to lose 10% of his list with every email he sends now because he does mass marketing. So the amount of money he has to spend to continually build and turn that list over is huge. Social selling, it's only going to grow. There's only going to be new ways of doing it. Everybody's talking about selling on TikTok these days. It does work, not for all products, but there are new ways to do it. You know, podcasts are growing and are huge. Um, So any sort of social selling you can do, great. And networking. You know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So the more people are going online, the more people are coming offline. So with that, before we head into the next thing, I'm interested to find out from you um, if there is anything else that you guys can think about that is really in terms of the technology, the cloud, marketing, and security. If you've got anything that you'd like to share, um, feel free to share it. You can share it in the chat or you can unmute and share it with, uh, with the group. just give everybody a minute to collect their thoughts before we move on. Okay. Education. Fantastic, Stephanie. I think that's a a great one. You know, having an education-based business is probably good for many of you. For instance, if I run an organic foods or supplements business, would, it, would I be wise to have an organic foods and supplements business or would I be wise to have a front door of, of a window display that's education? The answer is probably education. I know we have a, a client in New Zealand um, and he has a product called Testo. Testo is a natural male testo- testosterone enhancer for impotency. 
Um, it's all full of Chinese herbs. It's got nothing chemical in it whatsoever. He sells that product, he does very well out of it, um, but he is in the information and education business. So great question. Um, Philippe says, we, we had a lot of breach in Australia, Optus, et cetera. How do you protect yourself? You know, it's a great question. I think the only advice I can give you um, without just making it ridiculous is to put a note in your diary and once every six months, make sure your uh, firewalls are working. Make sure you're changing your passwords, particularly on, on things that you're using all of the time. You know, and it's not so much your bank. I mean, they have encrypted passwords. They're pretty tough. Um, but, you know, things like your social media accounts and that, that's, that's much more the target of hackers these days. So anything that you're doing online, you know, make sure that you're changing your accounts. I think just by doing that, I think, um, and by having a regular date in your diary, maybe at the end of the year and one at the middle of the year, you know, take a half day and just go through and look at all of this stuff. Um, make sure your terms and conditions are up to scratch on your website. Um, you know, just different things that you need to do in order to protect yourself. You know, I just said to, to Chris this morning for our websites, make sure all of our events websites have on there that we photograph and film at the website and by, uh, at the event and by coming to the event, you're giving your consent and whatever the, the actual legal jargon is that we need is on there so that we don't have somebody two years later who came to an event whose face is partially obscured in the background, you know, say, you, oh, I don't want my photo on, on online, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's all you can do with that. Let's move on. Thanks for your comments, folks. That was really useful. So let's go to our next area, which is the future of people and work um, leadership, and I specifically want to focus on employment because we did focus on leadership um, a little before. So some new trends in employment. There is a massive trend to contracting, particularly in the SME space. You know, across the world, the average SME currently employs three people. That includes solopreneurs and, you know, people who've got 5,000 people. So I don't know if the number's relevant to, or not, but that is shifting down in the last 12 months. So it's going down from around three to about 2.8. So it is moving down. That's, that's quite a large jump when you consider it's a global statistic. So there is a trend of people moving to contracting. There is a trend to moving to outsources, Fiverr, Upwork, those type of things to go. And when I talk about contracting, I'm talking about somebody who works um, in your business but may have two or three other clients and they're doing three days a week for you instead of doing a full five or something like that. Outsources, people who do different things for you. They um, edit your videos. They do your VA work. They... Um, they do your HR work, they do that sort of thing. That's outsourcing. Uh, there is a huge discussion around risk of employment at the moment. Going to the employment tribunals, um, not being able to fire people, not being able to get people to get back to work from home and all of that sort of thing and having people complain and then suing you and everything like that. There's a huge risk around that at the moment. 
and there's more court cases now than there has been, you know, over the last 10 years of employees taking employers to task for different things. So that's affecting employment trends. Hybrid workspaces. You know, of course, we had the whole co-working space thing, which was really taking off. Um, and it had taken off, really. It wasn't taking off. It was taking off around 2011-12. It had firmly taken off by 2019. But now, you know, we've got a situation where difficult for co-working spaces to get people to work from them. People don't stay long. You know, people are looking at hybrid workspaces. Um, employers are offering contractors workspace as part of their contract now you know come and work from our office two days a week type of thing then of course we have worsening productivity the data that i showed you at the start said people are more productive at home that's a that's a bit of global data based on an app company the the stuff that i have seen from clients of mine and friends of mine who study this stuff saying the productivity is worsening, particularly at home. And people are becoming more stressed because they're working at home because they can't work when their children are awake. So they're working at nights and that's stretching them. And then of course, we've got micro jobs as well. Micro jobs are essentially where people are coming in and working just on a project that lasts for three weeks. And they're doing something that lasts for three weeks. So it's a micro job. They're in the office, they're doing it, they're working inside a team one week, through two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, maybe three months. That's a micro job. You could call it a contract, but it's really a micro job. So these are some of the new trends in employment. Um, let's look at what's happening towards 2025, just to finish this off. So these are the jobs that basically people are saying are going to be the growing jobs in over the next three to five years. Data science and cloud computing. They go hand in hand, as it says there. So more jobs in that. AI and machine learning. Big data science, so big data. Digital marketing and strategy. So that's good for those of you that are in the digital marketing area. Process automation. Business development. Digital transformation. Information security and cybersecurity. Software and apps, um, user experience, user interactions, blockchain programming, and the internet of things. These are the things that are really growing at the moment. So have this awareness, have the awareness of where it may affect your industry, have the awareness of where you can utilize this in your industry as well, because there's a lot of positives here, as well as there being uh, a lot of negatives. So that's probably coming to the end. Humans versus AI in employment. Absolutely, Matthew, couldn't agree more. So what I'd like to do is sort of bring this to a close now is get anybody's opinions or feelings on what they feel as an overview is the future of entrepreneurship in the next few years. So let's, um, let's uh, see what anybody thinks. Feel free to comment. And let's, uh, let's do it on the microphone. Don't uh, Mike, you, you yes, were mentioning uh, something along the lines of uh, resilience and flexibility, uh, <clears throat> but changing that, um, what I had in mind is that you still need to have a vision where you want to go, and then you change the way you go about it. That's that's what you meant. 
Because you yeah, tell absolutely. that people do business look, every three months. If you, if you look at mission, vision, and values, which is around the wrong mm. way, it should be values, vision, and mission, um, VVM. Let's take values and put them aside. Your values may change over time, but generally people's values are relatively set, at least for a time being. Your vision will rarely change. So my vision is to create the number one team of conscious entrepreneurs on the planet. It's been my vision for 11 years, right? It's not really going to change. Um, my vision is to help people live a more extraordinary life. My vision is to help people um, reach more of their potential than they ever believed possible. They're my visions, if you like, okay? They're not going to change. I've had them for a long, long time. My missions change. So my missions change. I'm going to do it through events. That's what I thought initially. No, no, then I'm going to put in some coaching. No, then I'm going to go to consultancy. No, then I'm going to have a whole e-learning platform that people can learn on. Then I'm going to integrate the bunch of them. Then I'm going to get other people that can license this and can use it in their countries as well. So my missions always change. So that's the changeable part, I think. And, um, you know, my mission might be, well, for the last two years, my mission has been clearly a focus on on three or four countries during COVID, whereas my mission for next year is a focus on 19 countries. So that's part of the changeable aspect that I think we'll have. Somebody else have a comment? Fantastic. Well, I think we've had a really good look today at you know, what's happening in the future. None of it should be a big surprise for you. Although I think none of us want to hear as entrepreneurs that's going to get maybe a little bit harder, that we're going to have to pivot more often, that we're going to have to maybe become more resilient, that uh, we need to do more work on our security, more work on our technology sides of our business. I don't think any of us really go, yay, I can't wait to do that, right? <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, if we do, we're going to be um, in a situation where we can really um, build lasting businesses and make sure that they are definitely um, the type of businesses that we want that are, you know, prosperous with freedom and purpose going forward. Uh, Matthew says, we can think of having mission, vision uh, and purpose. Mission is your tactics. Vision is your strategy and purpose, the change in the world that you want to achieve. Yep. Good insights, Matthew, and a good way to finish today's call. Uh, so next week, uh, just to let you know before we jump off the call, um, next week you have uh, KK Diaz. He's a fantastic person with, uh, with a really great insights into some digital marketing strategies, and we talk digital marketing today. So look forward to that then, and we'll see you all later. Have a fantastic day and evening wherever you are. All the best.